So uh, I hope you all have been enjoying this unpopular series as much as I have. Uh, it's been a great thing. I've, I've mentioned this before, but this is something that uh, Pastor Lee brought up a few months ago for us to do during the summer, and I thought it was a great idea, and so we've done it, and, and it's been really fun kind of tag-teaming that with him, and I think Lee's done a great job of preaching over the last few weeks, and so we just give thanks to God for, for him and for his leadership. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that, that Pastor Lee has been doing that I, I wanted to do today, I've seen him do it a couple times, and I thought, that's, that's fun. Next time I preach, I want to do that. So uh, I've got a couple of unpopular things that i just like to throw out there and uh, see, see how, you guys, uh, how you guys think about this. But I, I, mine's kind of real. I wanted to focus it on a topic today. Two of my favorite things are coffee and donuts, okay? So those are going to be uh, some opinions. I, so I have some pretty strong opinions about those things, and so I want to see what your opinions are about these. For example, here's my first one. Uh, donut country is the best donut in town. Uh, donut country is the best donut in town. Yes or no? Okay. All right. So that's not that unpopular of an opinion. Okay. That was an easy one. Okay. Uh, let's see. Um, Dunkin' Donuts has the best coffee in town. Donut, donut country has the best coffee in town. No, that's, that one's unpopular, huh? Okay. All right. Let me do one more. No. Okay. Um, all right, you don't have to pile it on now. People are like, no, no, no. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> uh, all right, last one. Uh, people that drink coffee without anything in it are just a little bit better people than those who put cough, cream, and sugar in, in their coffee. Okay, all right. Now, okay, now I, got, I made some enemies. Okay, all right, I'll stop there. <laughs> I wanted to start there this morning because the story I have, uh, for you to understand the depth of this story, you have to understand how much I love coffee and donuts, okay? So um, so we got now that we got that established, I want to tell you a story. This this is something that happened maybe, uh, maybe two or three years ago. I think it was... Uh, uh, yeah, probably about two or three years ago. Um, it was a it was a cold winter morning, and my alarm went off at 3:33 a.m. Okay, I had set my alarm for 3:30 a.m. and I popped out of bed because I was on a mission. Okay, so here's the mission that I had chosen to accept. I was going to get to get free Dunkin' Donuts coffee and donuts for a month. Do y'all remember that when the donut the Dunkin' Donut opened? It was like the first 50 people that got there or something like that got got a little card that gave you free coffee and donuts at Dunkin' Donuts for a month. So the Dunkin' Donut over by my house uh, was getting ready to open, and so I found out about this, and so I decided that, that was my mission. And so I set my alarm at 3.33. They opened at 5 o'clock that morning, so I got, I got ready. It was January. It was 37 degrees outside. I got up. It was raining. I didn't care. I was committed to this, getting this coffee and donuts. And so I put on my clothes, and I headed down the street to my Dunkin' Donuts, and I was going to take my place at the very front of the line. But when I got there, there was already two people there in front of me. So I wasn't exactly the first person in line, but I was one of the first in line. I felt pretty good about myself and my commitment to this mission. And so I got up there and, and uh, started talking to the people who were first and second in line. And we were kind of kindred spirits, right? We, we felt like we were the, the best of the best because we had gotten there early. And, and um, they shared my affection for coffee and donuts. And so... Um, but we stood there for a while, and it was just, you know, a handful of us. And then, you know, maybe a little bit later, maybe 15, 20 minutes later, a couple other people showed up, and, and some people were sitting in their cars, and they were, you know, we, we were kind of talking bad about them and their commitment to this. And so, um, but then what I noticed is closer to the time that Dunkin' Donuts was going to open, people started showing up, right? You know, for 4.30, there was a couple more people, 4.45, and then like right at 5, all these people got there. 
right when the store was opening, right? And here's what I noticed. I was so ex- when I got there, I was so excited about my coffee and donuts, my free coffee and donuts, but my mind had shifted. I wasn't thinking about my coffee and donuts anymore. I was thinking about these latecomers. And I was thinking about that they were going to get free coffee and donuts just like I had gotten. I was going to get free coffee and donuts. and I, But they hadn't endured what I had endured over the last hour and 15 minutes in the cold and the wet. And so, you know, the folks there with me in the front line, we were kind of starting to, you know, talk about the other folks that were there. And, and what I realized was that, that I had gotten bitter and I'd almost, it had almost stolen the joy of my experience because I was thinking about them instead of thinking about, what I was, what I, what I came there for, what I was getting, right? The joy of my free coffee and donuts. And so I share that story with you today, uh, and I think you'll see when I read the scripture lesson because um, because there's there's a little bit of that going on in our scripture lesson today, and it's it's the reason why I think when Jesus told this story that it was unpopular. See, we're we're in week five of this series, unpopular, and and today's parable comes from Matthew chapter 20, and not only is it an unpopular lesson, but but in the story that Jesus tells, there's a, a landowner that has an unpopular response to the laborers in his, his vineyard. And, and the real kicker, the phrase that, that rubs me the wrong way and it goes against everything in our human nature and the values of the kingdoms of this world is that phrase that we looked at earlier uh, that Jesus brings up in the parable. He says, so the last will be first and the first will be last. So... As I reflected on that phrase this week, I, I really tried to dig into it and, and realize, like, what, what is it that I struggle with the most about that? So I had to ask myself, which part of that phrase do I struggle with more, the, the last being first or the first being last? What about you? Which, which, which part do you struggle with or do you struggle with it? Or maybe it's just me. Um, but I, I have a feeling that this is one of those passages that that. It either doesn't make sense or, or when it makes sense, it doesn't make sense. You know, it, doesn't, it goes against everything that we, we think we know and, and feel. There's definitely something, I think, uh, inside of all of us that, that wants to be first, right? Um, for some reason, if we're really honest, we resonate more with, with Ricky Bobby than, than Rabbi Jesus, right? Remember what Ricky Bobby said? If you're not first, you're what? Last, right? Um, but Jesus says, if you're last, then you're first, right? So, so what's that all about? Um, now, you might be saying, you know, that's not me. I don't even watch movies like that. Um, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, you might say, well, that's not me. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't struggle with that. But, but think about the message that we hear in our culture all the time. Uh, everywhere we turn, we hear this same message, don't we? Think about it this way. Let me give you a couple of examples. We never hear about someone hashtag losing, right? It's always hashtag what? Winning, right? Uh, this, is, this is even true in the church, right? You never see a last Baptist or a last Methodist or a last Presbyterian, right? No, it's first Methodist, first Baptist, first Presbyterian, right? We, we, we have this preoccupation with first. We, we turn up our noses at trophies for participation, and we look down on, on losers, and we worship winners, and we fantasize about first place in sports and in business and, and even in our personal life, right? Think about it. This is why I think in so, why social media is, is filled with pictures of, of perfection because social media, just like life, 
so many times in our culture is fueled by by comparison and and competition, right? We we live in a culture of comparison and competition, and and so because of that, it's no wonder that we're filled with feelings of of contempt and and condemnation, not just for others, but but towards ourselves, right? It's no wonder that we feel like we don't measure up. We're not first. We're last, right? So. I, I wrestled with that this week as I read this passage that I'm about to read to you. I, it, I realized that it struck a nerve in me that was even deeper than, than that. Uh, I had to ask myself another question. Uh, what do I struggle with more? People getting what they don't deserve or people not getting what they do deserve? Does that make sense? How about you? Which one of those do you wrestle with? And for me, the answer was yes. I wrestle with both of them. There's something deeply ingrained in all of us that says people should get what they deserve and people shouldn't get what they don't deserve. And yet the story that I'm going to, I promise I'm going to read it for you here in just a second. You're like, you just read the story. <laughs> this story that I'm going to read for you, it seems to challenge that idea to, to its very core. In fact, when I read it this week, I, I had to ask a, a different question than I normally ask when I'm preparing to preach. Usually when I'm getting ready to preach, the questions I usually like to ask are, you know, obviously, what does this passage mean? And, and what, what do I need to say about this passage? But as I read this, this scripture from Matthew's gospel this week, before I could get to either one of those questions, I had to start with the question, why does this passage bother me so much? And so, so with that in mind, I want to I challenge you to consider that question too if it, if it bothers you and, and wonder maybe what God might be saying to us this morning as you hear it. So listen to this God's word for us today in Matthew chapter 20 verses 1 through 16. Jesus says this. He tells us a story. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you go also and work in my vineyard and I'll pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again at noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. So when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last only worked an hour. They said, and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I'm, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give to the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. So 
I wonder if you're like me. I wonder if you had to ask the question, why does that bother me so much? Why does that go against everything that, that I think I know? Maybe the things that I teach my kids about uh, hard work and determination and all those things. I, I really want us to dig into that a little bit this morning and see what God might be speaking to our hearts today. One of the things that I noticed as I studied this passage this week, as I looked at the, the context, the things that were swirling going on around this parable, I noticed that Jesus didn't just make this statement once. He makes it twice. He says it right before the parable and right after the parable, Matthew chapter 19, verse 30, he says, But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. And then at the end, 2016, so the last will be first, and the first will be last. I think it's significant that this parable comes on the heels of Jesus' conversation with the rich young ruler. You remember a few weeks ago we looked at that unpopular teaching where, where we find this guy that, that's probably at the front of the line, right? He's, he's hashtag winning. He has everything by the culture standards. He was young and rich. He was ambitious and righteous, and yet he knew that he was lacking something. So, so he comes to Jesus and asks him what that is, and Jesus says, you need to sell everything that you own, everything that, that gives you this status and, and standing, and, and come and follow me. But, but the rich young ruler walks away sad, and so so in the story, Jesus takes this opportunity to share another unpopular teaching with the disciples. He turns to the disciples and he says, Truly I tell you, it's hard for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of God. So that's probably a pretty unpopular thing to say just in and of itself, right? That, that goes against the American dream and the prosperity gospel. According to Jesus, riches don't hold the proof of blessing. They actually have the potential for bondage. And so, so it starts this kind of back and forth between Jesus and the disciples. Listen to this. This is all leading up to our scripture lesson. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished. And they said, well, who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And Peter answers them, we've left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? See, as I reflected on this week, I realized that the disciples were the ones that got there early, right? They were, they were the first in line. They'd been laboring under the, the, the heat of the day. And so uh, when they hear this, Peter's like, we, we've left everything to follow you. What will there be for us? And, and, and Jesus lovingly reminds Peter of the blessings that, that come from following him both now and forever. But, but at the end of the conversation, verse 30 says, but many who are first will be last and who are last will be first. And then he launches into this parable about the workers in the field. What, what was Jesus telling them? What, what is Jesus telling us? You know, the, for me, so many times, it's the questions more than the answers that, that, that help me and teach me and help me grow. And so, so once again, this week, I was drawn to that question that Peter asks in verse 27. You know, that's one of the things I love about Peter in, in these stories, right? Peter has this uncanny ability to, to say what everybody else is thinking, right? But maybe they don't want to say, right? Peter uh, was given the gift of no filter between here and here, right? So, so, so he gets to the, this question that Peter asks. It really gets to the, what I think is the heart of the matter. It, it answered all my questions about why does this passage bother me so much? What does this passage mean? What do I need to say about this passage today? The question that Peter asks in verse 27, it reveals, I think, why 
the response of the landowner rubs the wrong way, both both the laborers in the story and the listeners to the story. Do you remember what the question was? Peter says, what then will there be for us? What's in it for me, right? (laughs) If we're honest, many times that's the heart of the matter. That's the matter of our heart. We want to know what's in it for us. See, I think this passage, this story reveals that deep down in our hearts, this is not an issue of, of equity. It's, it's an issue of, of envy, of me wanting whatever it is that I think I deserve that maybe others don't deserve, right? When I wrestled with that this week, it, it helped me understand why I think Jesus told the story. I think Jesus, as Jesus often did, I think he told stories to get reactions from the people to prove a point. I think, I think in the same way, Jesus wants us to wrestle because it's in wrestling that, that it reveals what's going on in our hearts. I imagine that the natural response of most anybody that heard Jesus telling this story, probably the natural response of most of us as we listen to this story today, if we're honest, it's that phrase that, that I hear around my house pretty often when somebody doesn't get what they want. How many of you heard this before? No fair. No fair. It sounds like equity, but it's really envy, isn't it? And, and if we're honest, it's not just kids, right? We as adults say no fair all the time, don't we? we? And even as a culture, we live in this culture of entitlement where no fair is thrown around almost as often as it is in our living rooms. We've learned to use more civilized and refined ways of saying it, but, but the sentiment is just the same. We want what we want, and we want it now, right? If we're really honest. Now, I want to be clear about this, and I don't want you to misunderstand me. There, there are most certainly situations and systems of injustice and inequality in our, in our world and in our culture. And we as people of faith need to speak truth into those places and, and to live according to the kingdom of God. But, but that's not what I'm talking about in this story today. The situation here, what I think Jesus is addressing is the condition of our hearts. That part of us that that gets preoccupied with what other people are doing or what other people are getting and and wanting us to get what we think we deserve. It's that part of us that that causes us to compare ourselves to others, to to condemn others that we think are are not as good as us or to compete with others so that we can Make sure that we're first, because if we're not first, last, right? That part of us that, that sees everything through the lens of, of comparison and, and competition. I think, I think Jesus, the master storyteller, the master teacher, he's teaching the disciples, his disciples, both then and now, something that is foundational about the kingdom of God, that is transformational for all who would receive this message and live into it. See, I don't think this is a lesson about hard work. I think it's a hard lesson about grace. See, on the surface, Jesus seems to be saying something that, like I said, it flies in the face of everything we believe and teach our kids. But upon further review, I don't think it's about hard work and responsibility. I think Jesus is explaining to those with ears to hear 
that unlike the kingdoms of this world, the kingdom of God is the place where people get what they don't deserve and don't get what they do deserve. And as imperfect people, we should all be grateful for that. That the first shall be last and the last shall be first. See, as Christians, we use a word to describe the undeserved, unmerited favor of God. It's this word, grace. We define grace as the love and mercy given to us by God because God wants us to have it, not because of anything we've done to earn it. The landowner in this story isn't unjust. He's actually beyond just. He says, I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? See, that's the, the simple, profound message of this story and the profound message of the gospel is that we have a generous God who who doesn't deal with us according to what we deserve, but he gives us grace. And, and all we have to do is respond to that grace. And, and the ground is level at the foot of the cross, as they say. See, grace is amazing, grace is inspiring, grace is humbling, grace is life-changing, but in many ways, grace is no fair, at least according to the world's standards. And and that makes measuring up, trying to measure up, impossible. And that can be maddening, but it can also be very freeing. See, the good news of God's grace is that we don't get what we deserve, and we do get what we don't deserve. And believe it or not, that's harder to accept than you think, especially for some of us that, that still feel like we have to earn God's favor. I'll never forget one of my Former senior pastors used to say this all the time, Dr. Howard Olds. He would say, there are no perfect churches. If there were, you couldn't be a member. But then again, I couldn't be the pastor. <laughs> I think it's important for us to be reminded that there are no perfect churches because churches are full of imperfect people. Paul reminds us, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but we are all justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. It's a gift. There are some of us that wrestle with that today. There are some of us here today that wrestle with the fact that God's grace is available to us. Some of There may be some here today that say, well, I'm new to the faith. There have been people that got here a lot earlier than I do, than I have. And what you need to hear today is that because of God's grace, no one belongs here more than you. Our generous God invites you to come and be in relationship with him. But the other side of that is that no one belongs here more than that person over here, or that person over there, or, or those people. You fill in the blank, right? See, that some of us here today wrestle with the fact that grace is available to them, whoever them might be, right? Maybe we don't say that, but, but we sure live like it sometimes. And that's the other side of this gospel truth, that if, if all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ, then grace is available to that woman that cut me off on Memorial Boulevard last week, right? Grace is available to that guy in front of me in line at Publix that had way more than 15 items in his bag. 
grace is available to that person that posts things on Facebook that I don't agree with and that make me mad every time I see them. Grace is available to that person that gets on your last nerve, to that, that boy that pulls your hair, or that girl that never stops bothering you, or, or that family member that makes bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. See, grace can be encouraging, but it can also be challenging. Because grace, is, it's not up to us. It's not our place to decide what they get. Grace can be downright infuriating because grace isn't about winning or losing. It's about receiving and responding. Paul says, for it's by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. That's the thing about grace. We can't earn it. We can't earn any more or any less of it. In fact, for those who, who want to receive their rightful wages... You need to hear Paul's word. He says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. It's a gift, and it's not ours to give. It's ours to share. That's one of the many reasons I love our mission statement, sharing life together in Christ. It's about sharing this gift of grace with one another as an imperfect community of imperfect people whose lives are being transformed by the perfect love of God. So, so that helped answer my question this week, for me at least. What's the solution to the problem of living in a culture of comparison and competition? Well, Jesus' unpopular lesson here teaches us that I think God's solution to that problem of comparison and competition and condemnation is, is community. It's finding a community that's grounded in, in grace, in, in generosity, and in gratitude. Because, friends, the good news is we worship a generous God. We've been saved by an amazing grace. And through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, God replaces our entitlement with, with gratefulness. And the more and more we respond with gratefulness to the grace of God, we become more gracious and generous to those around us. And so my prayer for each one of us today is that we would receive it and we would respond in the way that God is calling us to, to those around us. So I want to pray for that. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for your amazing grace. We don't fully understand it. We know we can't earn it. And yet we're so thankful, God, that you have chosen to give it to us. Lord, help us today to receive it. Help us to pray for others to receive it as well. And help us to know that, that you are the giver of all good things. And we thank you that you allow us to share in it. You allow us to participate in it. So Lord, help us this week to know what that looks like and how to live lives of, of, of faith, sharing your gift with those around us. And Lord, we thank you that, that you are the one that that gives that gift. Lord, I pray that you would help us this week and, and even right now, God, to know those places in our hearts that we need to open up to you and allow you to do what only you can do. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We trust you and we entrust to you all that we are and all that we have. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. We sing our closing song today. The altar is open. If you'd like to come and pray. Uh,
you're more than welcome to do that. If you'd like somebody to pray with you, I'd love to pray with you. If you just want to stay in your seats and, and continue to pray and reflect and, and listen and sing the words to these songs, just use these last couple of minutes that we have together uh, to respond to whatever it is that God might be speaking to your heart today. Would you stand as we sing?